Well, please turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 2. As we continue on in our Advent series and uh, this morning consider peace at Christmas, which is a challenge as we've just been thinking about as we've prayed. I'm going to read from Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 8 and going on to verse 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at, the at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Father God, as we come to your word now, Lord, we pray, bring peace to our hearts. Lord, peace that only you can bring. We open ourselves up to you, loving God. In Jesus' name, amen. So, peace on earth. If uh, we're familiar with the Christmas story in any way, we'll know the scene that we've just read. Shepherds watching over their flocks at night and angels appear to them and announce glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. On earth peace. Well, 2,000 or so years later, peace remains at the heart of our language that surrounds Christmas. We will see it on the front of Christmas cards and on Christmas tree decorations, and we're going to sing it in, in countless carols. And often for many, peace, uh, Christmas doesn't feel like a time of peace for, for all sorts of reasons. But I wonder if this year, with increasing global conflict, as we've prayed about already, more of us are feeling this sense of, of dissonance between the declaration of the angels and our present reality. Well, we're not alone in feeling that. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote a poem that became the Christmas carol, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. It was a, a poem that was uh, written from a place of grief. In 1860, Henry's wife, had died in a fire. 
and three years later, on the 1st of December, 1863, he received news that his eldest son, Charlie, had been nearly paralyzed by a gunshot wound whilst away fighting in the Civil War. And his words capture this disconnect that he is experiencing between the Christmas celebrations, the Christmas bells, and his own circumstances. And so his poem, or the the hymn, begins this way. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Friends, don't we feel this with him? Even if we ourselves are experiencing some level of of, of relative peace within our own lives, we have got to ask, is there really more peace on earth now than there was when the angels first announced it? I think it is very reasonable to say that if anything, there is less. Think about the 20th century, which was the bloodiest century in all of world history. And the 21st century hasn't given us much to be optimistic about. And then there's technology now that we have that allows us to express hate to to many people without much accountability. Then we see political infighting within governments. And then within our own sense of personal peace, there is much to disrupt it, whether that is ill health or personal grief or relationship breakdown. So what were the angels talking about? What were they singing about? What is it that they meant? Because doesn't Longfellow have a point? Hate is still strong and it mocks this song of peace on earth. You know, the the angel's announcement of God's peace descending on, on this world sounds amazing but feels as far from reality as the idyllic Christmas films and their stories that we watch. So what do the angels mean? Does the peace that they are talking about give us concrete cause to sing with sincerity and to sing with joy? Well, I think our first clue to the answer being yes is that in their announcement, they tell us that this is peace that is on earth. It is not going to be a a pie-in-the-sky kind of peace. It is an on-the-ground, for the shepherds, in their very lives, peace. A peace that is worthy of this supernatural fanfare. So to help us to understand what this peace is going to be, let's just look forwards into Luke's gospel at, at what peace is talked about. Well, first of all, the peace that Jesus was bringing was not immediately going to be peace from global conflict. We see this in Luke chapter 21, verse 9. This is towards the end of Jesus' life, and Jesus tells his disciples that one of the signs of the ends of the age will be wars and uprisings. And he tells them not to be frightened about the presence of war. Now, 
hear me, he's not telling them to be indifferent about the reality of war. And Christians down the ages have done remarkable things in order to, to lead the way and bring peace where there has been conflict. But we are nowhere near a universal peace, are we? There will be a day when Jesus will one day bring an end to all conflict. But right now within our lives, there, there is this current presence of war and it is not a failure of Jesus. Then secondly, again, staying within Luke's gospel, the peace that Jesus will bring will not be a, a total peace. And here we understand this through Luke 12, uh, verse 51, where he, he says that it's gonna, his peace is going to cause some sort of division. He says, do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other, three against two and two against three. Now, for those of you who've started writing your Christmas cards, I'm assuming you have not been kind of putting this one down there nicely with, with gel pens and things. This is a, a difficult verse, isn't it? This peace that Jesus is bringing is not going to be received by everyone. And so it will bring division even within our closest relationships. But this is because, this, this peace is because Christ has come to deal with a far more ancient conflict, one that concerns all people, which is why it affects us all on an individual level as well. We sing about this in, in Hark the Herald, don't we? Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Since humanity's very first parents, we have been at war with God. But now, through Christ, we have peace. On earth, in our lives, today, we can know peace with God. If we return to uh, chapter 2, and, uh, but, but glance down the page to verse 29. This is, this is kind of uh, the next episode, as it were, in, in Luke's gospel. We meet one of the first people to taste something of this peace. There's Simeon, Simeon who is in the temple, uh, a prophet, and God has told Simeon that he will not die until he sees God's Messiah, God's rescuer. And when Mary and Joseph come and they bring Jesus to the temple, the Holy Spirit reveals to Simeon that this is the one. And this is his prayer. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon gets a taste of this peace because he has seen with his own eyes the one that God has sent to save. Here at last, the one promised to Israel. It has been a long and hard wait, which is why Luke describes it as a, as a consolation. But he is here and he comes to bring salvation, not just to Israel, but to the whole world. Peace with God. This is going to be a peace that is full and lasting, and it is going to come through Jesus. This is what Isaiah anticipates 
in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. This kind of peace is only possible because God has first taken on our humanity, which is what we are celebrating at Christmas. It is only possible because God has taken on our humanity. By becoming like us, he is able to stand in the place of those who set themselves up against God as enemies. And with his life, he pays our debt. So that through his wounds, we can be restored into wholeness with God. This is a a kind of of mercy and grace that we are, are dealing with. This is extraordinary mercy and grace. And therefore, because it is through what Christ has done, it is a peace that doesn't depend on us forming any kind of merit of our own. It's a peace that we receive when in faith we acknowledge that we need Jesus to reconcile us to God. When the angels speak of peace to those on whom his favor rests, these are those, it's these people, these who will receive Christ in faith will know peace with God. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And at times, doesn't it feel scandalous that that we have this peace that we did not earn, that this Christmas we can confidently say we have peace with the God that we set ourselves up against? But he extends this peace to us in extraordinary love. And it is ours to keep and ours to cherish. It is ours. Now, there will be those who don't like that God has done it this way. Who perhaps have a different idea about what kind of peace God uh, should bring, when and how he should do it. But if we feel this way, then this is perhaps evidence of the hostility that remains still within your heart towards God. There was this, uh, the footballer recently, um, Megan Rapinoe, uh, who revealed this kind of attitude towards God when she uh, injured her, uh, got injured during her final professional match. And in the interview afterwards, she said, I'm not a religious person or anything. And if there was a God, this is proof that there isn't. A God that, that, that she, she can't conceive that, that God would not be the way in which she wants God to be, and so he therefore cannot exist. And we have all felt like this at one time or another. But if we want peace with God, then we have to... to see that our lives have been set up against him and that we need Jesus to reconcile us. Do you still need this in your life? Have you yet come to Jesus to be reconciled to God? Is there something that is keeping you at odds with God? Maybe it's the plan that you have for your own life. Maybe it's the image that you have in your head of who you want God to be. Maybe it is behaviors, sinful behaviors within your own life that you are unwilling to let go of, that keep you barriered to God. 
God longs for you to find true and lasting peace in him. But the only way that that is possible is by coming in humility and receiving Christ. If Christ had not come, none of us would have any hope of lasting peace. Is it any wonder then that the the, the angels come, that this, this arrival of Jesus is accompanied by heavenly hosts and joyful music, that now peace of God is being unveiled? It is an announcement that demands a response. This is the way of peace with God. Do you know this peace? This Christmas, receive this peace. Now, if we have peace with God, if, if we here this morning have peace with God, then there is also a peace for us to enjoy within ourselves. There's a joy for us to, a peace for us to have within ourselves. At the time of Jesus' birth, when the angels were announcing this to the shepherds, the Romans were enjoying a time of peace, often referred to as Pax Romana, Roman peace the golden age of the Roman Empire, where because of their incredible might, they were enjoying this period of stability. And yet it is into this context that the angels were shouting and declaring peace. Peace that is going to go deeper and endure far longer than that one. Jesus is going to invite us into a peace of mind and of soul that, that rests not in our circumstances, but upon him. A solid peace. Deep and enduring peace. Now, speak to anyone who's been a Christian for any length of time, and they'll tell you that this internal peace is not a static one. That's true, isn't it? It's, it's hard not to let our circumstances unsettle our peace. There are times in life where it feels hard to cling on to this peace. As, as Longfellow says in, in that poem, in that hymn, um, it, it, worldly troubles mock the song of peace on earth. And there will be some of us here this morning and you, you, you're finding it hard to sing that song of peace. You perhaps have another voice within you saying, how can you possibly say that you have peace when this is going on? Maybe telling you that you're naive to think that, that this could really be peace. It's mocking the song. Well, to feel this way is not strange. None of us exist in a permanent experience of internal peace. But if we are in Christ, our peace with God is complete. Your life has been catapulted from hostility and uncertainty into the loving arms of a father who will never leave you or forsake you. Your peace is dependent upon Jesus whose righteousness will not change and whose love for you will never end. And so in a year from now or 10,000 years from now, you can be sure of God's love and care for you. 
He cannot love you any more than he already does in Christ. And he cannot love you any less. You have peace with God. Whatever else changes, his love for you remains the same. What a glorious peace. What a glorious peace to know that in all circumstances, his love comes down to us, barreling from heaven like an unceasing waterfall. We've got to know this, don't we? We've got to look and see this as our circumstances threaten and mock our peace. God's love for you in Christ is set. And the surest way for us to cling on to this peace is to look to Jesus. And if we're going to have this peace that surpasses understanding, as Paul puts it, then we're going to need help to do this. And we could talk about this in any number of ways about how we practically do this. But as it is Christmas, can I refer to it in terms of celebration and feasting? Feasting can be an act of defiance against any enemy or doubt that mocks our peace. In the famous uh, Narnia story, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, there is a scene uh, where the White Witch comes uh, across a gathering of woodland animals having a Christmas feast. And she stops and she says, what is the meaning of this? asked the witch queen. Nobody answered. Speak, vermin, she said again, or do you want my dwarf to find you a tongue with his whip? What is the meaning of all this gluttony, this waste, this self-indulgence? Where did you get all these things? The white witch is threatened by their celebration. She sees it as an act of treason. Under her reign, It has always been winter and never Christmas. And whilst her reign isn't yet over, it is weakening. Winter is thawing and their joyful feasts reveal their hopefulness. Hopefulness that Aslan is on the move and that the witch's reign is coming to an end. So they feast and she is threatened. Celebration and feasting are an act of war that declares that peace that is ours in Christ, and that will one day cover the whole earth. Now it is true that we can feel guilty celebrating Christmas when so many are caught up in warfare and conditions that we can barely bring ourselves to think about. And so for us to celebrate Christmas does not mean closing ourselves off In ignorance to those realities, we can and we must pray. We can and we must mourn with our brothers and sisters. And where we can, we should help. But it is also for us to celebrate and to feast. Because a victory has taken place, which has won our peace and will not stop until it pervades the whole earth. And we get to declare that by feasting and celebrating this Christmas. This is part of what we do when we come round the communion table, isn't it? 
where our internal peace has been shaken because of sin within our own lives or difficulties that we are facing. As we, part of what we're doing in communion is, is, is we feast and we celebrate because through Christ's blood, we have peace with God and we will feast with him when he puts all things right. And so we can do this too as it comes to Christmas, as we keep Jesus at the heart of our feasting and as we sing in triumphant, triumphant worship this Christmas, we are able to take hold of the peace that is ours in him. Isn't that just amazing? Now, for those of you here for whom that really sounds like something you will struggle with right now, this idea of celebrating. Can I say to you, there is no performance of celebration that is required from you. You do not need to put on a happy front. You are welcome at the table with God's people. And we want to love you well and we want to care for you this Christmas. And we want to pray that as we sing in faith of peace on earth, that your hearts might be stirred to sing too. There is one final component to this peace. If it really is to be peace on earth, then we should expect that peace that we receive from God should bear fruit in our relationships with others. Peace with others. Paul writes to the Romans, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, just because we can't bring peace to the whole earth ourselves doesn't mean that we can't bring peace into the circumstances that we're in into the places that we can reach we we can and we must work for peace where we can into our work into our family lives into our communities and it might not get fully resolved now and and our efforts to create peace might get thrown back in our faces but Paul says, as far as it depends on you, with the peace that you have received, that comes from complete forgiveness in Christ, extend your forgiveness and peace to others. And I think this is more than just keeping the peace, you know, superficially covering the cracks of relationships. It is, it is picking up the phone and being the first to speak. It is being willing to repent when we have done wrong. It is letting go of those things that have already been forgiven. And as we extend this to others, we are making the peace of Christ known on earth. It becomes a visible reality. This is why I think Home Alone is quite a good Christmas movie. <laughs> because it is a story of reconciliation. First, as the, the neighbor humbles himself and reaches out to the broken relationship with his son and so enjoys the restoration of that relationship. 
and then there's Kevin and his mum finally reconcile and are kind of relieved to be at home with one another again. It's a story of reconciliation, and that is what Christmas is all about. The Prince of Peace has entered our world for you. He has crossed the battle line and made his way for you to be at home with him. So can I ask you, how has this peace been transforming your advent already? Have you been delighting in this peace? That you know God, that you have peace with him? And how is it going to transform your Christmas and your relationships with others? For Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, as he looks to Jesus, he finds that joy overtakes his despair. And in the modern rendition of the carol, we sing. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The Lord has come, the victory won, with peace on earth. Goodwill to men. The angels belt it out, don't they? Glory to God in the highest heaven. Because peace is possible with God. Will you hail the coming of the Prince of Peace? Will you pursue this peace with God in your own life? And in so doing, will you turn back and glorify him? I'm going to pray and then we are going to sing Hark the Herald, Angels Sing, as it's a fitting response. Let's pray. Father God, we are deeply troubled by the lack of peace that we see across the world. And Lord, we do not want to be ignorant of it. And Lord, we do want to be sensitive to where there are those near to us within our church family who are not experiencing your peace, Lord. And Lord, thank you that at Christmas we can rejoice that you have come. You have come to reconcile, to bring us back. Oh, Father God, we pray by your Holy Spirit, minister your peace to us. That we might rest in your presence and know the loving care and assurance of your hands which surround us. And Lord, for where we need to make peace with others. Lord Jesus Christ, help us to do so. Lord, through us, help bring your peace on earth. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.